Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. I am Bela Sebrow. Thank you to Five Towns Central for sponsoring this show and also to Talkline Communications. When the atrocities of October 7th happened, the world was shocked by brutalities. And while everyone outside of Israel who was not directly affected went on with their lives, for the Israelis who had no home to go back to, who were displaced and had no homes, clothing, food, just the bare necessities that a human being needs. Those people could not go back to their regular lives. They desperately needed help. The IDF was not fully prepared with the supplies that the Chayalim that were deployed needed. The families of the Chayalim became in dire need. People who wanted to help those in need, many did not even know where to begin. And this is where our guest today jumped right in with his renowned leadership skills, and he literally changed the world in a way that is mind-boggling. Moshe Bodner is a Woodmere resident. He established the Israel Chesed Center immediately following the Simchas Torah massacre. To date, the operation has sent over 4,000 duffel bags of gear to Israel, approximately 80% for Chayalim and the rest for displaced people. The operation also facilitates other Hasadim for Israel, Shabbat meals for soldiers, gifts and activities for the displaced, and community engagement and volunteering throughout the New York, New Jersey area. The Israel Chesed Center is spearheading the upcoming Unity Shabbat, which will feature a, a host of activities volunteering, and Chayalim spending Shabbat in various communities. Moshe and his six kids lived in Israel for many years and currently has two in Israel, a son and daughter-in-law in Israel. She's currently a tank driver on the Syrian border. May God watch over her. A son learning yeshiva in Jerusalem and four other children currently in New York. Moshe, welcome to the Definitive Rap. Thank you, Bela. Thanks for having me. It, it says, Olam Chesed Yibana, the world is built on kindness. Please tell us, first of all, where were you on October 7th and the sequence of events that followed where you jumped on the bandwagon and you literally changed the world? So I tell people that in, in the from world, I had a bit of a head start uh, in terms of helping out because well, October 7th was Shemini Yatserat here. And I dove in an age Kodesh, and Rabbi Weinberger got up when he heard that something had happened and told us that something had happened. Nobody really knew exactly what, but we should daven. But he did a masterful job of really shepherding us through this uh, this tragedy, even until today. Right. And for the over Yunt, over Shabbos and Yuntif, he was very clear that we should try not to find out what's going on, try not to, even today he says, don't watch the news, just, you know, just dive and get the, you know, 
get the headlines, but but there's no reason to, you know, get into it. It's it, there's nothing we could do. It's frustrating. Let's just help. But uh, on on you know, I have kids in Israel, and I was anxious to be in touch with them, even though we knew everything was in the south. I assumed that my son and daughter-in-law were were home in Tel Aviv. I assumed that my son was in yeshiva, and. I uh, I held back and I didn't get in touch. And then uh, Sunday morning, my my wife uh, in running into Schulz. My I got remarried in, in June, and she said, "Moshe, you're going to kill me." But I picked up the phone, uh-huh. and I said, "Okay, I'm not going to kill you. Just tell me what happened." So she said she saw that my phone was was buzzing over and over again, and my son was calling from Israel. My son Ike, uh-huh. who had finished the Air Force, and she said she picked up and she couldn't really understand him. He was in a bit of a panic. So I went over to Ray Weinberger and Shul during Hakafos, and I told him what was going on, and he thought for a second, and he said, go up to my office and call him back. And his sock was based on the number of factors, second day of Yantif, and is the Shas Hatchak. And my son didn't really need anything other than, I think, to talk to the parent, but it turns out that he, he really could have been down in the South. One, one of his best friends from high school, my, my kids went to, he went to high school in Israel, uh, is a was a, was a very very impressive and amazing young man named David Newman, uh, who was at the festival, and he was killed. And David was uh, a big broad guy. He was a, he was a soldier, and I, if I'm not mistaken, the the evidence indicates that that he tried to help other people. He tried to save other people, and he, he also put up a fight. And I think that brought a lot of comfort to his family. But but long story short, so one of my son's closest friends and part of his cover up uh, was killed. And his buddies in Israel, their immediate reaction, well, was what could we do? A couple of guys headed down to Gaza. And then thankfully, about, I don't know, 20 minutes before they got there, realized they're not going to be able to help when they turned back. But um, they got together. And by the time Yuntif had ended here, they had already been in touch with El Al Cargo, and they had booked space on, I think, six El Al Cargo planes, just figuring that we'd be collecting stuff and sending it to Israel. So as I said, I, I had a head start over, and I spoke to him around noon, so I had a six, eight-hour head start to think about what we're going to do. Yeah, yes. And when I spoke to him right after Yantif, we talked about different ways of collecting gear, and didn't really know what it was going to be, but... By, by Monday morning, they had done a collection at my ex-wife's house of about 400 duffel bags worth of stuff. And it was amazing because, I mean, first of all, a lot of the stuff is not stuff that we would send today, but right. a lot of it was, it's, you know, headlamps and flashlights and batteries and baby wipes and baby diapers. But the amazing part was, was not only that people turned out, but when people would go shopping, they'd walk into the big box stores and they'd say, you know, the, the, the retailers would say, it's some kind of Jewish holiday. Everybody's coming in and buying, you know, buying up as much as they yeah, can. Yeah. And then some of the stores started giving us, giving away things like uh, playing really? against sports in, in Oceanside was just giving away flashlights, headlamps, hockey tape. The tape is used for, for guns. And these were um, not Jewish I, stores. I mean, non-Jewish right. store establishments. I, I didn't ask, but I, no, I presume not, right. but they have yeah. a very you know Jewish clientele. I mean, I'll come to it later on. We've been getting a lot of donations, even from abroad, from, from non-Jewish-owned stores. But in any event, by the end of the day, uh, we had packaged up about 400 duffel bags, put them on pallets, wrapped them, right, and sent them to El Alfargo, and they were off to Israel. And at this point, there were no rules. There were no rules about donation bags. How do you get bags to Israel? This was all in cargo. 
by that night, we, we had outgrown uh, the house, the front lawn, and a friend of mine offered him offered us uh, his catering facility at the Yulav Israel Jewish Center, Bushy Glen. Mm-hmm. So we moved the next day into there, right. and it's basically all after DRS, SKA, seniors showing up and helping. Excuse me, by the end of the day, we had done another 400 duffel bags that went out the door. And people were offering us warehouse space in the five towns. Wow. Excuse me. Um, as we were leaving the the, 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 the synagogue, uh, a truck pulled up and said, we need your help. We, we opened up the back of the truck. It was a bunch of pallets of bags that were very poorly wrapped. It turns out that one of the other communities, I can mention which one, but we work very closely with them today. Uh, but one of the other communities had sent a truckload of pallets, but they weren't packaged properly. Wrap properly. So when they got to the cargo place that at the airport, they said we can't take these. Send them to the five towns. They know how to pallet up and, and and wrap duffel bags. So I don't think they realized it was a bunch of you know local high school kids. But we took all the pallets off the trucks. We repalleted. We sent it back. Uh, at that point, we we accepted somebody's generous offer to borrow his warehouse at uh, Mill Street in in Lawrence. Uh-huh. At eight p.m., I went to pick up the keys. And it, it, it turned out, I, I said to the guy, you know, you look familiar. So, so do you. He's my mother's neighbor in, in Lawrence. Uh-huh. And he looked familiar because three years ago during COVID, uh, we ate at my mom's house one Friday night and we were walking back to, to Woodmere. Right. And there's this guy sitting on the curb with some bottles of whiskey making a Shalom Zacher. But it was a COVID Shalom Zacher and nobody was there. So I ran back. I got my mom and the three of us, and and this guy uh, Albert Lif, Abby Lif, uh, made made the Shalom Zacher. Uh-huh. So Mishpacha magazine actually wrote an article about it, and very cute how you know one fessed bread bred another fessed. Right. And right. Uh, we moved into his space. A guy named Jeff Eisenberg, who was collecting stuff in Migdal Or, also started collecting stuff in our space. And the next thing we knew, we so anyway. Sorry. So, so Tuesday night. This is the, you know the the second day of of, of the operation. Uh, we got the keys at eight o'clock. By two in the morning, we had nine hundred duffel bags. Wow! Donated by other communities. Oh my Great goodness! Neck, Baltimore, Brooklyn, the whole the whole floor of the of the uh, warehouse was unbelievable. Was the next couple of days, we we palleted those up, and Jeff came in with some donations from Migdal Or. We started making Amazon shopping lists. We had no idea what we were doing. Uh-huh. We, we just were collecting. And then the next thing we know, soldiers are coming in. Because there were a lot of soldiers here in New York, New Jersey, other parts of the U.S. flying back to Israel. Many right. guys weren't even called up. They just wanted to go. Yeah, they, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was amazing. I mean, you know, we hung up Israeli flags. We were singing and dancing. Unbelievable. And they were just packing up bags, bag after bag. It took on a life a, of its own. It, it just took off. It, wow. it, it just took off and then at that point after a couple of weeks my son and his friends they were focused on sort of larger a larger cargo operation they've done about 60 70 million dollars worth of cargo shipments into israel uh, we felt that we really needed to to be a grassroots operation to focus uh-huh. on getting stuff into the hands of soldiers as quickly as possible so jeff eisenberg who's working with me or and i just they said let's do this together a couple of my friends who live in Israel were also doing it, so we pulled them into the mix right. and built a team where you know people could take bags to Israel. Our guys pick them up at the airport and deliver them where they need to go. 
And then El Al started giving out what they call allocations to some of the organizations. Uh-huh. So they would give us, you know, 50 bags at a time on a flight from Newark. And uh-huh. we just started sending huge amounts of bags to, to the airport. So uh, uh, one of my kids, uh, former counselors in Camp Marisha, you know, said he's going to be our guy. So we were renting, renting a hall. He comes out here on Sunday nights. We throw as many bags onto the truck as we need for that week. Right. And then he goes home to Teaneck. Monday morning goes to Newark, unloads the, the truck, or unloads however many bags for that day, and work, work together with some of the other, you know, partner Hamalim organizations, the Boots for Israel, um, another organization called Bergen County, um, Belay Vachad, and whoever else is, you know, still doing this. So right. just right. for example, Three weeks ago, we had 224 bags go out of Newark one morning. They made a minion at the airport. Um, everybody's close with the with the, the LL employees, with the LL right. managers. So typically, the sort of passenger bags will go out of JFK. The big allocation bags go out of Newark. And jumping ahead to, to now, we ended up, we, we had to move out of Abbey Space. Uh, we took this uh, local community member, gave us the uh, old HSBC bank space on Peninsula Boulevard. You hear the noise behind me. We have about 20 volunteers here packing up stuff and also getting it ready for the upcoming Shabbat, which we'll talk about. So on the, just, I guess, to end this, you know, this uh, segment on the, you know, side of sending stuff to Israel, we've sent, I would say over 4,000 bags by now. Probably 3,200, And where are they being distributed? Once they get to, they get, it gets to the airport, what happens from there on? So they, they, they hit Ben-Gurion. Um, we've all, the, the three or four organizations that, you know, are still at it have developed very good relationships with the quarters. El Al's been amazing. Listen, right. at the end of the day, as they tell us, we can only get a certain amount of bags on the plane. If they, if they don't let the bags on, it's not because they don't want to. They're, mm-hmm. they're bent over backwards. Their people are not trained for this. Right. None of the, you know, none of the airport workers from the baggage, you know, handlers to the check-in people to the managers were ever trained for, for this, you know, influx of bags and for, and for bags getting stuck and they have to go out the next day and all the security issues. But basically, the, the porters at the at Ben have been great. When they see a bags, they're tagged. They all tag them differently. They recognize the tags, pull them off to the side. They get in touch with our crew in, in Israel. Uh, you have X number of bags. Right. Uh, we have an inventory, so they uh-huh. wake me up early in the morning. I write up a customs letter because we have to clear everything through uh, appropriate customs channels. We have a Amutan Israel that we work with, and we have to report report everything that goes in. So we only do soft gear. We're not doing, at least not through our operation, we're not doing helmets, we're not doing vests, we're doing it through a different organization. We're sending everything from you know blister bandages and socks you know, all the way up the body, Uniforms, right. ads to uh, and balaclavas, you know, neck gaiters, face warmers, right. hand warmers, things like that. And uh, so, the, the bag, depending on how the bag is tagged, that's how our team knows what to do with it. So, there are sort of like, I guess, three or four types of bags. Um, a lot of our bags go directly to Efrat, to the Just One Fessid, Samal and Efrat. We're working very closely with them. So, those are tagged a certain way. The bags that our team then has to distribute, depending on the color of the, the tape and the tag, right. it either is what we call chofshi, meaning our guys, my my partner, Yisachar, Barala, 
uh, will determine based on what's in the bag where it's going to go. And he's in touch with different army units and different hotels where they're Mufunim. And then they distribute the bags that way. When people buy gear, donate gear, or, or when we send in gear that's earmarked for a specific unit or a specific hotel or something, so then we put a different color on it. It has a phone number. Our team takes the bags off, takes it to our warehouse, and then c- contacts whoever's supposed to receive it. I don't think we've we've lost. I mean, Bli and Hara. I don't think we've lost more than two or three earmarked bags. Unbelievable. I mean, a couple of people, you know. For, but sometimes you know, that's pretty good because weeks. people lose their luggage when they travel. That's pretty good. Right. And I tell everybody that we're not DHL, we're not UPS, we're not FedEx. We don't have a tracking system. From the minute that bag is checked in at JFK or Newark until we pull it off the carousel. Uh-huh. We have no idea where that bag is. It could sit in JFK for two weeks if there's a backlog. So we go every day, sometimes two or three times a day. And But, you know, we've had situations where a bag has left here at 6 p.m. Uh-huh. And 24 hours later, it's it's being used on an army base or one of the security response teams on the Yishuvim. So it's been amazing. Wow. So what does a typical day look like uh, in, in your warehouse? <laughs> so every day is a little bit different. If, if we're okay. getting in a lot of shipments, then it could be a lot of packing. Right. It, you know, so you have volunteers who unpack. Yeah. So they unpack, they repack. You know, right. we, we also try to, we're, we're very uh, careful how much money we spend because it's it's all tzedakah money. It's not funded. Right, so even right, the garbage... Sure. I'm trying to change it, but uh, even the garbage, we, we wrap up the garbage and people literally take home piles of, you know, broken down boxes and call bulk and and, and have it picked up. Um, but a typical day could be unpacking bags. I mean, today we have uh, about 100 bags that have to go out. So people are coming in, picking up bags, and we move other bags over onto this sort of, you know, area where the outgoing bags are. Uh, we also have people... Right now, there's people uh, unpacking boxes of brand new shoes, putting them into Ziplocs so that when it gets to where it's going, they don't have to sort through the whole, you know, the right. whole duffel bag. The truth is, I would love to send the shoes in in the boxes. Right. I, I had an amazing experience the, the first time I went to Israel during this uh, matzav. Uh-huh. So we sent two, we sent two or three big duffel bags of shoes still in the boxes. Right, and we brought them to uh, the Hamal, a distribution center in Yerushalayim, and we were talking to the people who run it that we work with, and some families from the south came in, and they started taking shoes out of boxes and trying the shoes on their kids, uh-huh. and one of them commented to me how beautiful it was that they didn't, they weren't made to feel like a chesed case. Wow, it, these are people who were, you know, middle class families. They were displaced. Right, right. Reasons out of their own control. They're not used to being the receiver of chesed, yeah. and they felt that they were cl- as close to shopping in a shoe store as they could, and not like nevos that wow. you know are getting You're preserving their dignity so sending... too. That unbelievable. So it's, it's really it, it was a big lesson. Yeah, um, but we're only sending new clothing. We don't send anything used. Again, there there are definitely organizations in Israel that are servicing you know social you know yeah. the, the lower rungs of the socioeconomic you know, ladder, which is amazing, but those people who receive those types of festive might be used to getting used clothing and sharing things. The, the people, we're trying to keep these people, you know, going, I and mean, they, they lost relatives, they lost their homes. Yes. They're living out of hotel rooms, so make it as nice for them as possible. 
Sure, sure. Wow. And so how many volunteers do you typically get on on a day, on a day-to-day so we, basis? We, we operate a bunch of different chats. It, it really depends. I mean, we probably get 100 messages a day. Are you open? Is there Are there volunteering opportunities? Sometimes there aren't. There, there are days that we just need a quiet day to, you know, get some things done. Uh, there are days that there's nothing to pack or unpack. Right. Today happens to be busy. First of all, we're leading up to this uh, Shabbat coming up. Uh-huh. We also have a lot of stuff that came in. I mentioned earlier um, about uh, getting stuff from abroad. About six weeks ago, out of the blue, I get a call from a woman in Muncie. She tells me she ended up with a couple of duffel bags of clothing, brand new clothing, mm-hmm. from a non-Jewish store boutique in, uh, in in Montreal. She's oh. in Montreal. It ended up in, in her house in Muncie. Right. We sent it to Israel. And they sent a letter to this woman thanking her for the donation and and I asked people in the community, if you're from Montreal, if you know people in Montreal, go thank her. Right. Uh, buy from her, thank her. The next thing we knew, we're getting between four and six duffel bags a week to her house in Muncie. And mm-hmm. we're getting between six and ten boxes delivered by FedEx yeah. of brand new clothing, shoes, et cetera, from different retailers in Montreal. So we have uh, people, right now we have people who are, Packing up shoes. We have a bunch of boys with Rabbi Bennett from May who are right. helping to clear out the warehouse in, in preparation for this Shabbat coming up in a few weeks. The right. things that uh, we can't send to Israel. So, for uh-huh. instance, at the beginning of the war, people were donating whatever they could donate. Right. So, right. we probably have 10,000 boxes of nitrile gloves. Of the, wow. you know, of, of, there's no need to send them to Israel. It's not worth it. It's not worth the money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we're selling them. So people come in and buy them. We just have to get them off the floor. Yes. And that money goes back into the, that, that's really almost all, the only fundraising that we do is, is you know, is, is, is the money coming in uh, for, for the sale of, of gloves, other things. We have somebody now doing an eBay project to try to sell uh-huh. some of the other stuff that has been donated that we can't, that we can't right. send to Israel. But uh, we have a bunch of people over in that corner who are packing bags. And uh, that's, that's sort of a typical day. Yeah. It's a bit hectic. Yeah, tell us about this uh, Unity Shabbat. Okay, so so there were a few components or a few reasons that we that we came up with this idea. Okay. Um, number one is that so Hashem should snap his fingers, you know, and bring the war to to a close. But the the reality is, if you, if you go based upon what the military is saying, uh, based upon what the Israeli government is saying, based upon, I guess, common sense. This is going to be a uh, as they say. It's, we're going to be in it for a long haul, and yeah. you know we've had you know we've had uh, the the rasaps. The rasaps are the sort of the officers on the army bases who are responsible for the curing gear. Among their other responsibilities, have told us that a year from now you're still going to be you know providing thermals and, and socks and gloves. So we know that we need to stretch it, to, to to stretch it out. We know that we need to. Educate the community. Yes, and yes. Engage the community. Sure. You know, what happened is, is, is you know, by, by Hanukkah time, the the community had, had sort of run out of steam. And you get, how, how many days in a row did you go on Amazon and order stuff? Uh-huh. So we did a Hanukkah project, and we did we spent about two three weeks pulling together uh, little gifts for soldiers, for Muslim, for soldiers' right. wives, children, wrapping them. After Hanukkah, we start getting phone calls. We're freezing. These, it, it, it turned cold. It became winter. Even in the south, at night, it's freezing. The guys in the north are freezing. So we ordered about a quarter of a million dollars worth of gear. Actually, wow. We really ordered about a half a million dollars worth of gear. But we 
got very you know amazing discounts from our suppliers. So I'd say about a quarter million dollars out of our pockets, which we subsequently raised. Uh-huh. And we sent all that stuff out to Israel. And then we said, okay, now what? We can't go back and ask for more winter gear. So we started focusing on helmets and vests. Right. And then, you know, you were here on Sunday. We started focusing on community engagement, community activities in the warehouse. Right. Stuff keeps trickling in. But over the last month, I would say we're probably around 40% of the bags are for Chayalim and 60% are from the Funim, which is amazing. Sure. But the reality is, First of all, the displaced people, Bezrat Hashem, will, will no longer be displaced in a couple of months. Or, right. you know, whether, they, whether they go back to their original homes or somewhere else, hopefully they'll be out of the hotels and uh-huh. be able to live a little bit more you know, normal lives. Right. But we really need to up, you know, to, to continue to support the Chayalim. So we realize we need to do something. Um, so that's one, one issue. Another issue is that, you know, without making this a political statement, you know, the what's called the centrist modern orthodox community. I hate to use the terminology. Um, the centrist orthodox community has been very, very, very supportive. I think all Jews from far left to far right have been very supportive of, of Israel, saying to Hillam, davening, yes, yes, um, helping as much as they can. Yes, but it's clear that the numbers are clear that the, the physical donations, the, the volunteering, the, the travel is really coming out of the, the centrist community. And in our neighborhood, I would say the centrist community is quite broad. I, I don't think that, that uh, yeah, I'm not going to like nitpick, but the centrist community is very, very broad. Mm-hmm. But in other neighborhoods, it isn't. And there's also not a lot of engagement from the conservative reform. We, 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 we've helped. We, we, we actually helped uh, a couple of missions of reform rabbis who, who went to Israel. We, we helped them by year. Uh, we've helped a number of reformed temples in the synagogues who have come to us, but we don't have access to them. They, they've had to come to us. So right. we decided to launch a Unity Shabbat in order to, A, try to bring our greater five towns community together in some way, right. find ways for us to, to all engage, to to educate, to get sure. here, and to to keep the grassroots going. So we started off with about 20 shuls as partners in three or four of the day schools and yeshivas. Mm-hmm. Uh, by today, we probably have about 45 shuls as partners, six or seven yeshivas, and other oh. communities. So Oceanside, Long Beach, uh, Queens, they may not be doing things over Shabbos, but the whole program is really going to be geared towards all of the communities coming here. So we're using right. the 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 warehouse as the as the base. Uh-huh. Uh, launching two weeks from last night, Wednesday night, we're going to have a opening ceremony, which hopefully will just be the five towns, you know, Davening and Tehillim. Right. We're then going to have a girls mishmar for high school girls. On Thursday, we're going to open up a store in the warehouse where our suppliers are bringing a lot of gear. People can come in from Thursday morning till Sunday night pick up a duffel bag and scan, yes. buy, scan, yes. pack, go over to the, you know, to the, uh, the, the tables and write letters, make tzitzit, uh, make packages, you know, put a note on the bag that says, you know, donation by or a, a gift from Mishpachat Sebra uh, or whatever, right. and <laughs> we get that stuff to Israel. And we'll have other things going on here. We're going to be selling uh, jewelry. We're going to have Mishalach note projects for for is meaning not not making them, but we're partnering with Shalva. We're partnering 
with just one chesed and we're partnering with the center of the frat to be able to deliver to soldiers, to, to mifunim, to wives of to, to wives of soldiers. Anyway, so then Thursday night we're going to have um, a, a boys' high school mishmar, and then Rabbi Newberger's well shishi shear uh, from the White Shul is going to is going to come here uh-huh. and do it here uh, community. Friday going to be open after school. We'll have project making. We're going to do a, a welcoming kiddish to ameha uh, with Rabbi Wallowin, uh nice. for the for the limb and for the whole community. Uh, Friday evening, we're going to have Kabbalah Shabbat here. Then Friday night, because we'll have a lot of Chayalim in town, so different shuls will be hosting Chayalim. And the shuls are going to do whatever they want. You know, yes. meals at people's houses, uh, some onegs. Same thing on Shabbos Day. Beautiful. Let's say Shabbat, we're going to have a, a Havdalah here. Mm-hmm. And then we're hoping that the shuls that have Avosubanim are going to have their Avosubanim here. So we will... Just try to bring more people in, more yes. engagement. Uh, there's going to be a singles event somewhere. There's going to be an ice skating event somewhere with the violin. Sunday morning, we're going to have davening here with a shear and you know, bagels and locks. The store will be open. There's a lot of other things in the works. Uh, nice. We just need more people to to step up and you know take uh, take the bull by the horns. Yes, that's absolutely beautiful. Really beautiful. And so, how can people get involved? What what can they do? So first of all, we we have a lot of chats, and okay. uh, you know we have we have some chats are open to the public and people can post. Some of them are just uh, chats that you can uh, follow along and get information. But we're constantly sending out the the links to the to the WhatsApp group. We have a volunteer WhatsApp. I mean, we we have a few thousand people on different chats. The uh-huh. the volunteer for the Shabbat chat is probably 115, 120 people right now. Right. Uh, I could definitely use more. And I need people who can. There, there are specific projects that, that that need to be, you know, undertaken by by individuals, and we post okay. them. And, and somebody says, "I'm going to do this." You know, a woman reached out to me. She's she's going to take over the uh, the, the girls' mishmar. So it's uh-huh. very easy. I, it, we're very flexible, right? You know, our, our mandate is we want to try to make everybody comfortable, but yes. at the same time, we you know we we want the you know again, I don't want to use you know cliches and the terminology, but we, we want the base Yaakov girls and the day school girls and everybody in between to be able to participate together, to learn together and to walk out saying that was a good experience. Right. Amazing. And, and for their parents to come, and to come back with their parents and to, to make new friends and, and to, to make new friends in a, in a you know environment of chesed. We're also trying to layer chesed on top of chesed. So for instance, uh, a lot of people doing barbecues for chayalim, which is very, mm-hmm. very beautiful, yes. very nice. I can tell you that some of the chayalim that, that we've been working with since the beginning of the war have gained 15, 20 pounds. They're eating very well. Yes, it has good. gotten to the point where it's a bit of overkill, and it's, there's even like a joke in Israel about you know the, the barbecues. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks ago, somebody called us and said, I know this isn't what you do, but do you think you could help me sponsor a Sheva Brafot for a cousin of mine? They have no money. Yeah. So listen, I'm very sorry, but it's it's not what we do. As I hung up the phone, I had an idea. I called it back and I said, I'll tell you what, we'll sponsor it if they do it on army base. She checked, wow. called me back 10 minutes later. We made the shidduch. So now we made a barbecue for soldiers who hadn't had a barbecue in at least a month. That's our policy. Uh-huh. And a shepherd broker was somebody who couldn't afford it. They had a blast. It went till three in the morning. And 
from that, we so, so now we have, we have a, a volunteer who's going to launch a simcha project. If you're making a simcha, allocate X percent of the cost of your simcha to, to our simcha fund. Wow. Or like in the old days with the Russian Jews, you know, twin your bar mitzvah with a bar mitzvah of a kid who's, uh, you know, from a, you know, a food family who's, who's displaced or twin your wedding with a Sheva Brooklyn for a poor family and we'll do it on an army base. Uh, similarly for Purim, we're doing all our Purim projects with other chesed organizations. So we're doing um, Purim for the soldiers with a cent of a frat. We're doing Purim for uh, for, for Mifunim and through um, through Shalva. Right. So we were, I was at Shalva last week in Israel. We chose some some packages. They're also going to make some stuff for, for us to sell here. And we're basically employing the Shalva members, and en- enabling people here to send Mishloach Manot. And it's Mekapel uh, Chesed. Amazing. So uh, how can people get in touch with you? We're out of time. Okay. So first of all, you have my info. So if anybody yes. reaches out, <laughs> text me on WhatsApp. Please don't okay. call me. Please don't SMS me. Please do not leave me a voice note. Text me on WhatsApp. Tell me what you what you want to do. When somebody says, how can I help? I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know what you're good at. Tell right. me what you would like to do. We will put you to work. Um, I'll send you the links for our chats. You can join our different chats. We're posting all day long. I mean, that's how we know. That's how people know to come here. Right. So right. it's easy to get in touch. And if you don't get in touch with a big red building opposite Food Town between Sunoco and the American Driving Cleaners on Rockaway Turn on, uh, on Peninsula Boulevard, 200 feet east of uh, east of Mill Road. Okay. Hop in. Thank you, Moshe. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for joining us on the Definitive Wrap. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. Hatzlacha. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Zebrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.